Anyways, that was the loudest reception all day, so thank you guys. Um, like Andy said, uh, my name's Taylor Miller. I'm the lead producer. Um, so all that means a little bit more. Um, I've got a team in the audio booth back here. I've got a, people, a couple people on cameras. Uh, there's a video production room on the other side of this wall. I have about 10 people on a Sunday who really do my job for me. I don't do a whole lot on Sundays, uh, despite what Andy said. Uh, I have a great, great team uh, that are equipped and are super, super capable, and I could not do anything without them. So just want to show them some honor tonight. Uh, they do a phenomenal job. Um, uh, also, um, I went to Bible college in southwest Missouri at a small Christian college, uh, Ozark Christian College, um, for five and a half years. That's where I met my smoking hot wife, Madison. Uh, she was studying uh, to be a youth pastor, and I was studying New Testament theology. Um, and then we moved out here to the west where it's super windy and snows in May. <laughs> Can't really prepare for that. There's no tornadoes here. So that's really good, because um, I came from Joplin, where it's Tornado Alley. So um, I also love the St. Louis Cardinals. We're starting a new series that's baseball-themed, so there are some Cubs fans uh, in the room. One of them's on our cam one of our cameras right now, so we won't poke too much fun at him. Uh, they're playing, Cubs and Cardinals are playing right now, so I want you guys to know that I am sacrificing quite a bit to be here with you guys tonight. So uh, like Andy said, we're starting a new series today, and you've probably never heard a message started this way, uh, but today we're going to talk about prostitution. Okay, just going to let, let it sink in. Um, I know that sounds pretty weird. You've probably never heard a sermon started that way. Um, but hopefully by the end of the message, it makes more sense. Uh, before we get there, though, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about what the minor prophets are. So at the end of the Old Testament, there are 12 minor prophets um, right after three major prophets. Uh, the major prophets are Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah. Um, but the minor prophets aren't called minor because they're not good prophets or they're not, not because they're bad prophets. Uh, the only reason we call minor prophets minor is the length of the book. Um, so I feel like some people sometimes view the minor prophets like that short kid in middle school that like tries out for the basketball team and like the jersey goes down to his knees. And I'm a pretty tall guy, so hopefully I don't get taken out at the knees after, uh, after service in the lobby. Uh, but sometimes I've, I feel like people view the minor prophets that way. Or like um, the Monstars and Space Jam and then like the Toon Squad. So like the major prophets are like the Monstars and then the Toon Squad's minor prophets. They're just not quite there yet. Um, but part of this series is help you guys to get uh, that the minor prophets got the secret stuff just like MJ and Bill Murray did in Space Jam. So obviously not many of you have seen that movie. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. This will go a lot better if you laugh at my jokes that are bad. So. Um, this series is built on a couple things. Uh, we, wouldn't be, we don't have the time to spend uh, unpacking 12 minor prophets because we would be here for the next five years trying to do that. So the series is designed to give, give you a taste of each of the minor prophets um, so you can say, yes, I have know the stories of all the minor prophets um, as well as knowing by the end of the series that even though they're called minor, they're called minor because of their length, uh, but they still have major messages. So that's an intro to the prophets as a whole. Um, today, our prophet's name is Hosea. Um, so who is Hosea? And I'm about to blow your brains apart. Hosea is about a dude named Hosea. I know. Just is insane. I've been studying for months just to unpack that nugget of truth. Um, but we don't really know a whole lot about Hosea. Hosea is just one of those kind of standalone characters in the Bible. Uh, we know his dad's name was Beery, and his name means helper. 
But that's just about all we know about who Hosea is. So hopefully you don't have trust issues because we're going to spend another 20 minutes talking about this dude. Um, But Hosea, his ministry took place about the same time as Jonah and Micah's ministry. Those are two other minor prophets. Uh, Come back this summer and you'll hear about them as well. Um, But Hosea's ministry took place about 722 BC. Um, So a couple things happened around that time uh, or the ministry of Jonah and Micah. Um, Rome was founded around this time. Uh, the Olympic Games in Greece started about this time, and for those of you who re- read the Iliad and the Odyssey in high school, uh, Homer wrote those about this time. And some of you might not remember, like remembering reading that book, and some of you, that might be the last book you ever read. Um, but Homer wrote those about this same time as Hosea's ministry. Uh, but one of the biggest hang-ups that uh, Old Testament history, studying the Old Testament presents is the chronology of it, of, of the, the history of it. Um, I feel like too many people and too many times we try to fit all of the obscure stuff in to make this puzzle that makes sense, and it's very, very difficult. Um, People have been fighting for thousands of years about Old Testament history, but Hosea is not designed to be a history book. Just because it's in the Old Testament doesn't mean it's designed to be a history book. Um, Instead, Hosea um, is is a letter of warning to the Israelite people. Um, So what was that warning? Uh, That warning is our main text for today. So Hosea 3.1, Then the Lord said to me, Go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. Um, And our big idea is God continues to love his people despite their unfaithfulness. So it wouldn't be right to be up here on stage at Element Church and not have three points, and all of the points begin with the same letter. Um, So that's what we're going to do today. Um, I can't be a good preacher and not do that. Uh, But each of the points, they're going to lean more towards one of the main characters in the book a little bit differently. Um, So like I said, uh, we're talking about prostitution today a little bit. So our first point today is prostitution. So here we go. Hope you guys are ready. We're talking about prostitution for a little while. Okay. All right. You guys are excited. Um, If you have not heard the story of Hosea or you haven't read the book of Hosea, I'm super excited for you guys today. Um, And it's okay if you haven't heard this story. Um, But if I could choose two or three stories from the Bible to hear for the first time again, it would probably, number one, would be the gospel story. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Second or third, though, would definitely be Hosea. I love the story of Hosea. um, And I'm excited for you to hear it for the first time if you've not heard it before. Um, But it starts hot and heavy, like we're going 100 miles an hour for the first three verses of this book. So Hosea chapter one, verse one says this. The Lord gave this message to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. And Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, was king of Israel. Now you kind of see like why history of it gets a little bit difficult because of all those kings' names. I can barely pronounce them. Uh, So verse 2, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. So, whew, all right. That's the first three verses. Usually we have to get through most of the book, if not all the book, to have a good, accurate picture of what the, ver- the book is going to be about. But we get that in the first three verses. So that's, that's my job today. That's it. I don't have to do anything else. Um, but Hosea is 14 chapters long, and if it wasn't that easy for Hosea, it probably won't be that easy for me. Uh, so like I said, we don't know a whole lot about Hosea. In this story, he is the prophet, not the prostitute. And those two words are so similar, I'll probably get those backwards a few times today. But just to clarify, Hosea is the prophet, 
Gomer is the prostitute. Prophet, prostitute. Prophet, prostitute. Okay, I'll still mix it up. Um, but like I said, it's not very often we get such an accurate picture of what the book is about so early in the book. But we are blessed in Hosea to know exactly what God is trying to do, exactly what the story is trying to accomplish so early in the book. Um, and if you're not, if you're a Christian, if, if you are here today and not a Christian, I just want to acknowledge that I acknowledge that this so far is pretty weird. I want you to know that we're not blown past the fact that God told a prophet to go marry a prostitute. And if you are a Christian in the room, I want to also acknowledge that for you. Because if you are a Christian, it doesn't make this any less scandalous. So I'm acknowledging that this story so far is a little bit weird. Um, but pushing on. Um, but despite how weird it is, the story of Hosea is a unique window into the heart of God. Uh, we don't get really this depiction of God's love for us uh, anywhere else in the Bible. And the love of God is something that is so multifaceted, so beyond our comprehension, uh, that the story of Hosea is just, just one little piece uh, of that. Uh, but even with this story, we don't even break the surface of understanding the love God has for us. So the weirdness doesn't stop the, at bearing a prostitute. This is the name of Hosea and Gomer's kids. So the firstborn, name him Jezreel, for I'm about to punish King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders he committed at Jezreel. In fact, I will bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. So, okay, cool. It's a little weird of a name, but okay. So secondborn, name your daughter Lo-Ruhamah. Not loved, for I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. Okay, all right, a little bit more intense. So thirdborn, name him Lo-Ami, not my people, for Israel is not my people and I am not their God. Okay, our kids are going to have no friends, I'm sure Jose and Gomer said. Uh, I went to college with a guy named Curtis and his stepson's name was O-B, just the letters O and B. And it stood for our baby. It's all it stood for. Yeah. My friend Curtis, he didn't have a hand in the naming as a stepson, um, but some people don't spend a bit of time naming their kids, like zero time. Our baby is about as simple as it gets. Maybe baby would be the simplest it can get, just B. Um, but then there's some people on the opposite pendulum swing that spend entirely too much time naming their kids. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we decided on August, and I have a picture of my cute seven-month-old kid. So if I blow the rest of the service, all of you like me because I have such a cute kid. When we decided on the name August, he's actually in the back. He's back in that back corner. There's my boy, August. Hey, buddy. When Madison and I decided on August's name, it just kind of clicked. We were traveling. We were in a hotel room. And I was like, what about the name August? And she's like, I like that name. And then that was it. It's not that we were flippant. We had been through a couple other names. Um, but we landed on August, and we liked it. So there's the pendulum swing, zero amount of time. And usually the people who spend zero amount of time are male. And then there's a pendulum swing over here. It's been entirely too much time. And I'm not going to say that's usually female. That would be another reason I get taken out of the knees after service. Um, but in this story, Hosea and Gomer, they don't, they don't get to spend any time. God says, name your kids this. Um, and it's kind of weird. And most of us would get pretty bent out of shape if God asked us to do the simplest thing. Like, don't have Starbucks anymore. Um, and my wife, she works at the Yellowstone Starbucks. So I know just how bent out of shape uh, people get about their coffee. I hate coffee. I think it's disgusting. I think it tastes like dirt. Can I get a, can I get a witness? Thank you. All right. That's been the best reception all day. 6 p.m. hates coffee, gosh darn it. So people... People can get pretty bit out of shape about the smallest things, but God asked Hosea and Gomer to take on quite a big uh, load here. 
But this isn't a punishment for either of them. This isn't a punishment for Hosea. This isn't a punishment for Gomer. Instead, this is a unique window into the heart of God, and he's using the experience of Hosea to tell a story here. Um, so some people in the room might be thinking, okay, so, but like, why are they sinning? Like, why are they acting like a prostitute by ignoring God? These are the same people who had been led out of Egypt, that had been rescued from the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Medo Persians. These are the same people who saw a pillar of fire in the desert, who ate manna and quail that just appeared out of heaven. These are the same people whose ancestors got to witness the great acts of Samson and the other judges. So like some people might be thinking, if I lived then, like things would just make sense. Like it would be easy for me to not sin. I could just look outside and there's a pillar of fire outside of my tent. Like, oh yeah, God is still with us. And some people might be saying, those Israelites were super dumb. But push pause on that. Let's see what God says through Hosea in chapter four. Hear the word of the Lord, people of Israel. For the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth, no faithful love, and no knowledge of God in the land. Cursing, lying, murder, stealing, and adultery are rampant. One act of bloodshed follows another. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge since you have forgotten the law of your God. So, the story of Hosea was written to a people a long, long time ago. But it seems like there's some application to today. So if we read through some of those again, how many of you know someone who curses, lies, murders, steals, or has committed adultery? You don't have to raise your hand. Oh. Slightly rhetorical. I'm hoping it's not the murder one. But most of us know someone at, with at least one of those uh, identifiers. Uh, I remember last year, like, there, it seemed like there was another high-profile murder in the news every single week, and that hasn't slowed down this year. Um, cursing uh, is very rampant. Uh, stealing and adultery um, aren't really looked down upon anymore. It's like we're okay with that. So it kind of seems like Though Hosea wrote this to an audience a long time ago, it seems to have some application for us. A major thing that drives a lot, if not all, of the minor prophets is the sin of idolatry. And most people, when they think of idols, they think of little Buddha figurines in people's houses or shrines or anything like that. But idolatry at a core level is taking something and removing it and filling that void with something else that doesn't deserve to be there. So, in terms of idolatry with God, we take God, scoop him up, put him to the side, and fill that void with something else that is not as good as God because the only good thing is God. Um, a major idol that I see in the world today is the sin of busyness or the idol of busyness. Um, I think that it's just too common for us to say things like, man, just last week I worked 60 weeks and 60 hours last week, and the week before that I worked 60 hours that week and like, man, my hot yoga class is really taken off and been doing CrossFit like eight days a week and like already sprouting a man bun, I'm pretty sure. And i um, taking a bar of carburetor in my spare time. And my daughter, she's playing t-ball, lacrosse, basketball, baseball, highlight, water polo, and like practice every single night. And like, I'm just so busy, but like I'm advancing and like I'm getting promoted. And like the next week I have this big presentation for my boss. And it sounds crazy, but how many people have said those things? You, again, you don't, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm going to ask a lot of rhetorical questions today. How many of you have heard someone say something like that or have said something like that? I'm guilty of saying things like that. I've told my wife before, I don't want to do laundry because I'm tired because don't you know how much I've worked? But a major idol that we have in 2017 is convincing ourselves that God is not worthy of being here. We're going to scoop him up, set him aside, and fill that void with being overly busy, overly distracted, 
Uh, other idols that we have are the, gods, uh, the god of sex and lust uh, and greed and fill in the blank with any vice, anything that we think feels good or tastes good or sounds good. We fill that void um, and have idols for that. So who is the prostitute in the story? In the narrative, it's Gomer. If we just read this just as a story, the prostitute is Gomer. But if we pull that back a little bit, the metaphor is the prostitute is the people of Israel. But if we back that out a little bit more, it seems like we're the prostitute. And that's a bummer. Let me tell you, to be 27-year-old up here three services a day and call a few hundred people prostitutes is no bueno. Let me tell you. But to be true to the text of Hosea, I can't just blow past that. I can't blow past the similarities between the book of Hosea and 2017. But we're going to push pause on that for a second and go to our point two, which is patience. So this one's a little bit less heavy. I'm not going to call you any names in this one. Maybe. Um, but what is patience? Who has patience? Uh, the most patient person I ever knew was my mom. Um, and there's three layers to this story. My mom got a master's degree, which for most people, that requires quite a bit of patience. Some of you don't like school. I love school, but getting a master's degree with a full-time job um, and a seven-month-old would be difficult. That would require more patience than I probably have. So my mom got a master's degree, requires patience. She got a master's degree online with dial-up internet. And if you don't know what dial-up internet is, you probably didn't get my Space Jam reference earlier. So get on YouTube if you don't know what dial-up internet is and search for dial-up internet tone. And yes, we had to listen to that before we got connected to the internet. It was crazy. So my mom got a, a master's degree on dial-up internet with four kids under the age of 15. So yeah, stir that around. Let that marinate for a second. My mom was incredibly patient. Um, but what actually is patience? Patience is an inward and an outward reaction to a stressor or a difficult event or something you just don't like. Um, so when you're over at Big Apple Bagels and you want a bagel and there's 100 people in line and it's 70,000 degrees in there every time, I'm pretty sure, how you react in that moment determines whether or not you're patient. If you're boring holes in the ground with your eyes thinking about how much you don't want to be there, how angry you are, and then if you get up to the front register and you want to slug someone, and, and if you actually do slug with someone, you're not a patient person. How you react in that moment determines whether or not you're patient. Or for the guys in the room, um, when your wife spends 22 minutes and 36 seconds putting makeup on, I'm pretty sure just one eyelash, how you react in that moment determines whether or not you're a patient person. Or like my, my boy, August, when he wants food or attention or a toy and he doesn't get it and his whole entire world is bursting at the seams, it seems like, how I react in that moment determines whether or not I'm patient. When I was rehearsing the sermon yesterday, actually, he was losing his mind, smacking my leg around. He was chewing on my shoe. He was not pleased. And how I reacted to that moment, uh, to put this aside, pick him up, feed him, or what I can't even remember what he needed. I don't ever really know what he needs because I feed him and then he's angry, but... He's seven months old. He'll, he'll figure it out. Um, but how I react in that moment determines whether or not I'm a patient person. So in the story of Hosea, um, Hosea is a patient person. So this is our main text for today, but kind of demonstrates the patience of Hosea. So chapter 3, verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So I bought her back with 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even me. So quick recap of the timeline of this story. 
Hosea 1, God tells Hosea to go marry a prostitute. So in and of itself, that requires patience. So somewhere between chapter 1 and chapter 3, we don't know if it's a month, two months, two years, two days, two minutes. We don't know. Hosea, in the beginning, marries Gomer. Gomer, somewhere in here, leaves Hosea to be a prostitute again. So now we arrive at chapter 3, and again, God says, Okay, Hosea, remember... You remember when I told you to marry that prostitute? Well, she left. She was a prostitute again. But I'm going to need you to go get her back again. And this will again illustrate the great love I have for my people. So I would have imagined that Hosea felt extremely isolated, extremely lonely in this entire time frame. But again, God says, I have a plan. I'm illustrating something. I'm telling a story. I need you to be patient uh, for me. But more so than the patience of Hosea, I want to focus on the patience of God. So the whole book of Hosea is designed around God saying, I'm not satisfied with you, Israelites. I don't like what you're doing. You're putting other gods, other idols in place of me. You're scooping me up, setting me aside. Some people are setting him a little bit to the side. Some people are doing a complete 180 and setting him behind them. I'm not, I'm not down with that. I don't want you to do that. Um, and my first, Hosea, his ministry at first didn't get through to you guys, so I'm going to have him do the same thing again. And this will again illustrate the great love I have for my people. So we deserve the wrath of God. When Adam and Eve, they ate of the forbidden fruit, um, and we had a separation from God in that moment, sin has created a chasm between us and God. We have separation from God uh, that God never intended to exist. Um, so us and our idolatry, us and our constant sin, and our, us and our constant prostitution separates us from God, um, and we deserve wrath for that. But there is good news, so keep that on the back burner. Uh, we'll get there in a second. God isn't messing around here. Uh, he wants his people to understand that I'm not satisfied with your idolatry. I'm going to use the story of Hosea to illustrate something um, that apparently you didn't get at first, so I'm going to say it again. Um, but this is kind of um, where the, like, in spite of our prostitution and because of the patience of God, uh, we arrive at our third point, which is peace. So this is where it all gets wrapped up. Um, and this point gets me a little jacked. Uh, because I'm going to start talking about the gospel. So if I start talking really fast and a little bit louder, um, that's why. The whole story, like I said, because of our prostitution, or in spite of our prostitution, because of the patience of God, uh, peace is available to us. So Hosea exemplifies um, patience in this story. The father exemplifies patience in this story. Um, but there's a player in this story that isn't necessarily easy to identify. Um, and that is Jesus. So in this story, Jesus is Hosea. In the Old Testament, there isn't a lot of uh, clear references to Jesus, um, but this is one of the times that I believe that it's very clear that God was talking about Jesus a couple hundred years in advance, um, and that blows my mind. Um, so Hosea in this story uh, is Jesus. So Jesus who came and died for us, um, Jesus who came, lived a perfect life, who was fully God and fully man all at the same time, lived a perfect life, was led to the cross, was crucified, was buried, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. Um, the patience that is offered through that um, is the point of this entire story. So there's a short-term piece and a long-term piece, um, but first I want to focus on the short-term piece. Paul talks about this piece in Philippians 4, verse 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. 
His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So this is a short-term peace. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Um, so this is our day-to-day. I have anxiety. I have stressful situations. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Stop, pray, and thank God. And I know that's much, much easier said than done. Um, but Paul talks about it here as that short-term peace. Uh, but more so than short-term peace, I think the story is driving at a long-term peace. Uh, and that long-term peace is eternity spent with Jesus. So this is uh, what a church father named Jerome had to say about this story. Um, we should not blame the prophet if he converted a prostitute to virtue, but we should rather praise him because he turned a bad woman into a good one. And what that means, typically people don't go around marrying prostitutes. That's just not typical. Um, and that's what, kind of what I acknowledged earlier. It's kind of weird that Hosea chose to marry, or God told Hosea to marry a prostitute. So that's what this is talking about. We shouldn't blame the prophet if he converted a prostitute to virtue, but we should rather praise him because he turned a bad woman into a good one. Hence, we understand that it was not the prophet who lost virtue by joining with a prostitute, but rather the prostitute gained virtue that she never had before. And quickly, if you're in the room or you're watching online, and if you've worked in the sex industry, if you've been a prostitute before, this story is not pointed at you any more than it's pointed at me. I actually had a a former prostitute come up and shake my hand today and say thanks for being a church that accepts messy people. And that blew me away, absolutely blew me away that someone came up to us and through the story of Hosea, and it's not, it's not my words, I didn't, I didn't write any of this. This is the story of Hosea. I'm just telling it to you. A prostitute came up to me, an ex-prostitute came up to me today and said, thanks for being a church that loves messy people. The prophet didn't lose virtue. Jesus didn't lose virtue by coming and living with us and living a perfect life. But instead, we, the prostitute, gain virtue that we never had before, that we could never attain on our own, um, and that is the gospel story. If you've never heard the gospel story, that in a nutshell is the gospel story. Jesus came for us, lived a perfect life, was crucified, buried, resurrected, and sent into heaven uh, so that we could have virtue that was never accessible to us before. So listen to what God says in chapter 2. Uh, Hosea 2.18, I will remove all weapons of war from the land, all swords and bows, so you can live unafraid in peace and safety. I will show love to those I called not loved, and to those I called not my people, I will say, now you are my people, and they will reply, you are our God. So this is going back to the names of his kids um, who were named not loved and not my people. But instead, now we are called loved, and now we are called the people of God, and we will respond, you are our God. And this is the point that if you've not heard a single word I've said all day, this is, this is the point. You have peace available to you because Jesus added virtue to you that you could have never attained on your own. And that's it. That is the story of Jesus. And there's peace available to you that will blow your brains apart. If Steve Doolin was here, Pastor Steve Doolin, he'd say, change your life. And he would say it a few times, I'm sure. If you know Pastor Steve, you understand why that's funny. But... Um, we have virtue added to us that we could never attain on our own. So if you're a brand new Christian, if you like, don't know hardly anything about Jesus, he came for you to add virtue to you, you could not attain on your own. And if you've been a Christian a long, long time, you've studied, you've read, you've done devotional groups, you've done Bible studies, Jesus came for you to add virtue for, to you that you couldn't attain on your own. And I've said that like 10 times, but I cannot say that enough to you that the story of Hosea is a unique window into the heart of God that shows us that despite our idolatry and despite our prostitution of constantly picking up God, setting him aside and filling that void with things that don't matter, they don't matter. 
In light of who God is, they don't matter. In spite of that, because of the infinite patience of the Father, there is peace available to you. So I'm big on action steps. Action steps make sense to me. It doesn't make sense for me to stand up here and ramble for 30 minutes and not point you guys in the right direction. So action step one, recognize we are the prostitute. And that goes for me. It goes for Pastor Andy. It goes for Pastor Steve, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Jared, everyone who calls Element Church home, everyone who's attended a church today globally, millions and millions of Christians. It's true for them. We are the prostitute that Jose is talking about. But action step two is realize it doesn't stop there. Realize that there's a peace available to you that will blow your brains apart, that Jesus came for you to add virtue to you that you could not achieve on your own. So do something about that peace today. Uh, We have a great prayer team that meets in the back. If you have just muck in your life, if you know you struggle with some idol, if you know you struggle with some sin and can't get past it, remember, The story of Hosea is told two separate times. The prostitute leaves and goes and has sexual relations with other men in the middle of this story of God telling us how much he loves us. So if you you feel like you're so far from God tonight, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Jesus came to die for you so you could have virtue you could never have before. So my third action step um, is to come back this summer. All the minor prophets talk about a core, similar idolatry type of a thing. Um, but each of the minor prophets tell it in a much different way. So if you thought this story was crazy, come back next week and listen to Andy talk about uh, the minor prophet Joel. You will no longer think this is the most crazy minor prophet. You will think Joel is the most crazy minor prophet. Uh, so come back this summer. Uh, even though there's core similarities, each of the minor prophets tell the, uh, the same story in a much, much different way uh, with different applications Um, and it's gonna be a good time. Also on the way out today, uh, we have these cards. Um, Because it's a baseball theme series, we made baseball cards essentially for all the minor prophets. So Hosea today, um, it has some core information about it. Uh, Put this somewhere where you see it. Uh, Put this somewhere where you're reminded uh, this week that the love that God has for you uh, through the story of Hosea. Um, And that's all I have today. I'm gonna pray, uh, but remain seated. Andy has a couple of closing words. Uh, Father in heaven, uh, we just want to say thank you uh, for your patience uh, in spite of our prostitution. Uh, Thank you that you are consistently patient, that we can always count on you to be patient um, and offer us peace consistently uh, to everyone equally at all times. That we could come before you and say, I want that peace. I recognize uh, that the Father sent his son to die for us so that we could be reconciled to you. Thank you for adding virtue to us that we could never have before. Thank you for cleansing us and bringing us alongside of you and saying, I want you despite you walking away. Help us to not have idols. Help us to not remove you from your rightful place. Help us to consistently remember who you are and what you've done for us. Um, keep that, uh, that offering of peace in front of us. Um, and I pray that the people here who might want peace, that they would take an action step tonight. Um, and uh, access that peace. Uh, We pray all this in Jesus' name.